Hello and welcome to the Way of Dharma. In the last two episodes, I tried to present a very brief summary of what is the core philosophy of uh, Sanatan Dharma. In today's episode, we will focus on the misrepresentation of what is being taught by some of the Western media against Sanatan Dharma or Hinduism to twist the meaning uh, so as to suit their narrative. I wanted to bring your attention to why one needs to understand the core principles of Sanatan Dharma. If one does not understand the basics um, of what Sanatan Dharma is trying to teach, it is very easy to get manipulated by the people who twist the narrative to see, suit their own needs. Uh, for example, Wendy Doniger in her book uh, The Hindus and Alternative History claims that Ganesha's trunk is a displaced phallus. If one understands the basic moral teaching of Ganesha's birth, his beheading by Shiva and eventual attachment of elephant head, one would never make such claims. And if people following Sanatan Dharma know this story and the moral of the story, then it's easy for them to counter such absurdities. There is a very large segment of today's population uh, who do not understand these basics, even in India, let alone in the rest of the world. This lack of understanding or ignorance then leads to having wrong interpretations, and no one stands up to question the incorrect or misguided presentations which we will try to address in today's episode. My goal is to present the, my reasoning and some examples uh, so that you can arrive at your own conclusions as to why one needs to learn um, on their own without bias and also so that they can counter the negative portrayal of Sanatan Dharma or Hinduism. And hopefully one will apply the same skeptic ways for not just Sanatan Dharma but also whatever they come across in their lives, be it religion or day-to-day -day matters. Let me present to you my point of view with the help of some of the common questions, themes, or examples um, which are being misrepresented, uh, and then hopefully that will help you understand better. Uh, let us look at the caste system in India. As I'm pretty sure, if not all, vast majority have heard about it, although in a negative connotation. In Sanatan Dharma, one believes in Vasudhaiva Kutumgakam, that is that the whole world is one family. So in a philosophy where one of the basic tenets is that the whole world is one family, why would the caste system discriminate between people is an interesting question. The caste system is also one of the most misunderstood and misrepresented in the Western world, also in India. It does not help that the current way of following the caste system is not correct in India. It has become rigid and lost its original meaning, which I believe to be one of the major reasons why the West has a reason to show it in the bad light. And since many people do not know about the true way, it's hard to counter the negative narrative. I'll give you a presentation from the side of Sidney Lowe, um, what he wrote in his book, A Vision of India. Um, in the book he says, begin quotes, there is no doubt that it, is the main cause of the fundamental stability and contentment by which Indian society has been braced for centuries against the shocks of political and the cataclysms of nature. It provides every man with his place, career, his occupation, his circle of friends. Caste makes him, at the outset, a member of the corporate body. It protects him through life from the canker of social jealousy and unfulfilled aspirations. 
it ensures him companionship and a sense of community with others in like case with himself the caste organization is the is to hindu his club his trade union his benefit society his philanthropic society there are no workhouses in india and none are as yet needed the obligation to provide for kinsfolk and friends in distress is universally acknowledged nor can it be a question that this is due to the recognition of the strength of the family ties and of the bonds created by associations and common pursuit which is fostered by the caste principle in india without caste as things stand at present it is not quite easy to imagine and quotes depending on one's understanding it's easy to look at both sides of the argument and understand it for yourself but some of the western philosophers would rather promote their own negative perception rather than presenting the arguments in a neutral way please note that i'm not saying that there is no drawbacks to the caste system in the current situation or it being misused by the people for their gains or to discriminate against people I'll discuss caste system in detail at a later episode um but for now uh, we'll stop at that uh, that it is one of the most misrepresented fact from India in the western world. Uh let's look at another example of swastika. Um swastika is derived from the word Sanskrit word swastik which means conducive to well-being. The right facing swastika represents sun, prosperity and good luck. whereas the left facing swastika represents night or tantric aspects of kali it is painful to see that something which represents good has been co-opted by neo nazis to represent hatred which it does not signify a universal symbol of peace and prosperity has been rebranded as a symbol of hatred and destruction so i believe it is up to us to promote the correct interpretation so that the majority of the people will see it as a symbol of peace rather than hatred women's place in so indian society is another uh, popular contesting point if one listens to the western scholars they would convince you that women are second class citizens to men but anyone from india or followers of anatam dharma can say one thing for sure that in terms of hierarchy the mother or the mothers position or stands above all they come even before teacher or gods in terms of receiving respect well women have always been depicted as equals or maybe um different than men but never lesser than them the best example of being the portrayal of shiva and parvati as ardhanarishwara where wherein shiva and parvati are depicted together with one half of shiva and another half to be parvati together in one body basically saying they both are equal in every respect the concept of swayamvar is also another good example where the bride chooses her husband of her liking well uh, another example is that of ubhaya bharati uh, to clarify the position of women she was appointed as the judge for debate between her husband mandana mishra and the great guru adi shankaracharya each of the participants wore a special garland which would wither away when one loses when her husband was defeated only half of the garland withered away this is to show that the wife and husband are equal and one 
So to get the result of the debate, Adi Shankara had to debate Ubhaya Bharati too. This is a great example to show that not only women were treated equally, but they could also study scriptures, Vedas, and did follow their passions. And also to show that um, husband and wife are equal. Please note that this does not mean that there is no negative treatment of women in the society ever. And when one is talking about misrepresentation of facts, how could we not discuss about media? So let's look at how media has been represent, misrepresenting India. Uh, to examine the issue of anti-Hindu attitudes in the press, uh, let us compare how India is treated compared with how other countries are treated. Um, the first example is of Saudi Arabia, Saudi Arabia in which all the religions are illegal except for Islam. Saudi Arabia scores very low on the human rights scale. Or in Pakistan, another Islamic country where the Hindu, Sikh, Christian community or and or temples, gurdwaras, churches have been constantly degraded and decimated. The media does not care enough about these forced conversions of Hindu, Sikh, Christian girls in Pakistan. No media cares when Hindu population is being decimated from 21% when Pakistan was formed to 1-2% in the current year. But when India introduced the Citizenship Amendment Act, which basically gives fast-paced approval to citizen. Uh, approval of citizenship from the persecuted minorities belonging to non-Muslim countries. In, uh, every major media erupted against India and started portraying India as being discriminatory against its Muslim minority, even though the persecuted Muslims can attain citizenship through regular process, which never stopped. And one should note that it is only one of the minority community which creates ruckus, even though there are many other minority groups in India, which are all living peacefully. Let us compare how India is treated relative to that of China, a communist dictatorship, whereas India is a democracy. China has long held the most favored nation trading status now known as the Permanent Normal Trade Relations with the United States, despite the Tiananmen Square massacre, or the current Hong Kong situation, or the treatment of Uyghurs. But if, we, but if India wants to rebuild a temple which has been taken over forcefully, everyone is up in the arms, and the media does not hesitate to label India as a fascist country. Even a democratically elected leader of 1.3 billion people is labeled as fascist. One last example I'll give uh, about media's bias towards Hinduism is of CNN's debut episode of Believer series, hosted by Reza Aslan, who touts himself as a scholar of religious studies. With so much to show in Sanatan Dharm or Hinduism, he specifically focuses on very small sect of Aghoris to get his ratings by showing their cannibalistic nature in grotesque manner. Even in Aghoris, he only selects those who fit his narrative of Hinduism. Reza Aslan, who studied religions for 20 years, knew exactly what he wanted to show to get his ratings and does not care if he, mis if he is misrepresenting the Sanatan Dharm. I hope that by looking at today's episode, you will agree with me that Sanatan Dharm or Hinduism are being misrepresented and people are being misguided by the native Western narrative of Sanatandharma. There are a lot of people who are hesitant to show how peaceful 
dharma is. Even though Hindus have never attacked any other country or tried to forcefully convert anyone to Hinduism either with power or with money. The simple reason why Hinduism does not push anyone to convert is that dharma is a way of living your life. There is nothing to convert to like in other religions. Hopefully everyone liked this episode and agrees with me. Even if you do not agree, that is fine. But I would request everyone to dig deeper and find the truth for themselves and not take what I'm presenting as evidence. Please like and comment and let me know what you think of the episode. And how would see addressing the misrepresentation in today's world. Thank you and have a nice day. Sarvejana Sukhino Bhavantu.